very interesting. I like words and phrases, and I like to find out the meaning of them, and even cliches. Uh, cliche is kind of a uh, negative uh, connotation. It's uh, old and overused, but I don't think so. And, and why are cliches important? Because they're picturesque words, and a picture is worth a thousand words. Now, I don't know about the word stretch, because most of the time it is used literally when things get stretched. But there are some phrases that we know when someone is heading into the home stretch, and we're not talking about track and field. It means that the final part of their project is in view, and they're almost done. The term stretch is a nautical term. Uh, it's to sail by the wind under the wind's pushing of the Kansas being fully stretched out. The stretch of the imagination, which we hear a lot, it, it describes things that are definitely not possible or correct, though you're stretching the imagination. To stretch the truth means that you're a fisherman. <laughs> but I want to talk about the phrase, stretch the mind. Someone says that if you think about your mind as if it were a muscle, you can figure this phrase out. It is to stretch a muscle, and when you do, it gets stronger and sharper, and so you think of new things. It takes you beyond. It stretches your mind beyond what you've been used to thinking, and it even increases your knowledge. And when I think about studying the attributes of God, and we have here many, many times, when I think about studying the attributes of God, there has never been anything else in all this world that has ever stretched my mind, our minds, than knowing who God is. I mean, talking about his eternality. I remember one time I, I was, uh, I, I went to a, a local uh, uh, Bible, uh, it was a, not, not a college, but it was a, just a, a thing that a church was having and, and you, you could go and you could get credits for it. They had asked the man, uh, they were doing Genesis 1-1, and they were studying, and actually they were doing all of chapter 1, and they asked the man what his thoughts were on, on chapter 1. He said, I'll be honest with you, I never got past Genesis 1-1. He couldn't get past that. His mind was so preoccupied. Well, the reason that I say that is because we're now doing a series on King David, a man after God's own heart. The first week, we looked at what it meant to be a man after God's own heart. And let me just kind of review what we've, what we've said. Chuck Swindoll says, what does it mean to be a person after God's own heart? It means that you are a person whose life is in harmony with the Lord. What is important to him is important to you. What burdens him burdens you. And when he says, go to the right, you go to the right. When he says, stop that in your life, you stop it. When he says, this is wrong and I want you to change, you come to terms with it because you have a heart for God. And that is bottom line biblical Christianity. Or again, when you are a man after God's heart, you give yourself completely to the Lord his word, and his will. When you are a man after God's own heart or a person after God's own heart, 
you are deeply sensitive to and concerned first and foremost about the things of God. We said from a biblical point of view, we looked at the scriptures where it talked about qualifying. What does that mean when we say a man after God's own heart? And it came from our study in the book of First and Second Kings because as we've been going through there, we've noticed that when a king is conducting his life and his throne, he is compared to, to David in every instance whether good or bad, and there's very few who live up to David. A few do. Well, what does that mean? He's, they're always being compared. Well, you go through all of those, and first of all, it means that he did God's will. He did God's will heartily. It means that he obeyed his word. That was one of the things they said about the king. They did not obey the commands of the Lord. David did. He was wholly devoted, not partially, 